controversy over wilderness preservation plan, a land grab, say people on the Great Northern Peninsula. What's a Mi'kmaq person to think? I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. Willalio. As Indigenous people, we're taught to think of the seven generations who come after us. We must protect the land and water for them. Which brings us to the report just released by WIRAC the Wilderness and Ecological Reserves Advisory Council. It's a council set up by, and that reports to, the provincial government. You've heard about WIRAC before on Mi'kmaq Matters. Earlier this year, we spoke with biologists Victoria Neville and Bill Montevecchi about the delay in releasing the WIRAC report. They resigned from the council in protest. But now, finally, we have the WIRAC recommendations, for a network of protected land areas, areas that are significant for their plants, animals, or terrain. There's no sign in the report of any consultation with Mi'kmaq people, but there's been no objection from either of the First Nations over that oversight, which is not surprising because neither of them takes much interest in land and water protection. But we have heard from people on the Northern Peninsula, where a number of protection areas have been proposed by WIRAC. Some of the people speaking out are Mi'kmaq, but they express their concerns in the loss of freedom, not being able to cut firewood, use their quads, or hunt and fish in some of the areas proposed for protection by WIRAC. They've been encouraged in their opposition by the cabinet minister for the area, Christopher Mitchellmore. WIRAC and the opposition to it are good news for the compromised cabinet minister who was recently reprimanded by the House of Assembly for his role in the Carla Foote hiring scandal and was suspended for two weeks without pay. Now, for the first time in a long time, he's getting some good press for speaking out against WIRAC. This is not the government's plan, it's WIRAC's plan, he said. It's a strange time for Land Resources Minister Jerry Byrne to release this report at a time when people are stressed by the pandemic and the economic fallout caused by it. The anxiety in rural Newfoundland is severe. People have been trying to hold on for so long. And now, in the midst of dwindling jobs, declining population, and poor economic prospects, now here comes this report. Was Byrne just insensitive in releasing the report now? Or is now the perfect time to get it out there, bury it under public opposition, and make sure it will be one less problem faced by Andrew Fury, who Byrne is supporting for the Liberal leadership? To discuss all this, we return to Victoria Neville and Bill Montevecchi, the two members of URAC who resigned earlier this year. I guess the obvious question for you is how you feel uh, today, uh, now that the report has been released, just that as you wanted it to be released, now it is, and uh, are you happy? So for me, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that the report has been released. I do question the timing of it. Um, Of course, when we were advocating for this, it was before the COVID crisis. And certainly I wouldn't have expected such a short window of time for feedback for groups. 
uh, in the initial consultation phase. The consultation phase is multi-year actually, but this initial consultation phase, which has now been extended, um, I don't know if that's been announced yet, but it, it definitely is going to be extended. It's, it's, it's an awkward time to roll it out. Uh, but that being said, um, of course, I'm, I'm very ecstatic, ecstatic that the plan has been released. Um, and it is a plan that is balanced. And when I say it's balanced, I mean that um, it has had a lot of considerations like our resource industries at the forefront. It's certainly not just a pure conservation plan. If it was, it would look totally different than this. It would be much larger. It would have connectivity. It would have a lot of different things. So um, the plan has a lot of um, force trading and push and pull that's happened over the last 25 years that it's uh, difficult. But I, I'm, I'm happy that this plan is released so that we can at least start the consultation process and start bringing in other types of knowledge and start redrawing the boundaries. It is a draft, and that's my opinion. Hey, how do you feel, Bill? I, I feel great. Um, you know, this is 25 years in the making, and there's been so much consultation up to this point. And I think that the thing to really realize right now is this, as you can read in the first few lines that's on the WEAR Act website with the release of the plan. This is the initial um, offering to the public and it's the initial time when people can make input and they can start now. And, and I think it's great that we have extra time to do it. Um, so I think we're in that process and this is a process that we've wanted. It's a process that we've gotten in. And through that process, I, I really want to point out, I, you know, it's not the current We're at Council, I mean, bless their souls for bringing this forward and being able to do that. But, you know, it's We're at Councils that will go back 25 years and people from all stripes, all kinds of expertise and from every niche and cranny in our province. So, including Labrador and... Um, I'm, I think it's great. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's, let's get on with it. Let's have the conversation. Right. Now it's, uh, as we've discussed before, it is a modest, it is a modest report uh, in both in the sense of the percentage of the land that will be covered. Uh, I think at maximum, if everything went through 13%, which is uh, lower than the international standard, and there's also a carve out, of course, for certain mineral exploration. So uh, it might not be, it might be less than 13% uh, when, when all is done. So um, as the consultation process uh, goes on, there'll be further uh, exclusions from the plan that after consultation goes on, there will be a little bit of um, going backwards once uh, it gets out in the world report. Yeah, so in my thoughts on that one, of course, it's, it's, um, it's not the perfect plan. I don't know every nook and cranny of the province. Uh, there has been quite a bit of science that's been contributing to this over the 25 years, but I'm not, um, I'm not doubtful that different knowledge sources in particular may point to other um, special areas that are in need of protection. So it's my hope that, yes, uh, these boundaries are not final, and there are going to be compromises that need to be made. Um, for example, um, some areas may become wilderness areas where hunting and outfitting and other activities may um, happen, but then there may be things like wood cutting or, or minerals um, that are identified as important to the communities directly adjacent to it. And then uh, I, 
what's going to happen is there's going to be a creative management plan come up, probably up from a zonal base where um, the core of that area is protected as best as possible. But um, either those traditional activities may be allowed, and if they are something that's degradative to the environment, then maybe there's an area nearby that people can continue and it won't count towards the reserve, unfortunately, but it will still be accessible and allow people to continue on their lifestyles the way that um, they have traditionally. These, these uh, conservation programs are not out there to uh, get in the way of the common folk, uh, the outdoors man or woman. Um, it's actually there to protect those areas so that they can continue to be used and exclude them from being developed and actually taken away from someone. So I think there's going to be a lot of changes to the plan. And my hope is that not only are areas going to be picked out, but that maybe um, some folks can open the eyes to Parks and Natural Areas Division and say, hey, this region is actually really important for this reason that you didn't even consider. It's very interesting what you say there, Victoria, because uh, of course we're getting um, major pushback from the Great Northern Peninsula from people who say that uh, they weren't consulted. There was no, no one from uh, the Northern Peninsula on the advisory committee in recent years. So I think there's a feeling of, um, uh, of them not being consulted and maybe somewhat taken by surprise. So do you have any, if you were speaking to them, what would you say to people who have those views? I haven't gotten a chance to speak to most of those people um, directly, but there's a bit of misinformation out there. First of all, there have been members on the WEIR Act in recent years who are from the Great Northern Peninsula. I'm not going to name people's names because there have actually been some threats um, that have been thrown around, but uh, there has been uh, members, really prominent members from the Great Northern Peninsula. And the history of the WEIR Act, I did a video online the other day. It actually is born in the Great Northern Peninsula in the 1970s because of Maine, um, Maine River and uh, Big Steady, which were some of the most beautiful and pristine watersheds in Canada. And the Wildlands Committee wanted to ensure that they were protected from a hydroelectric development. And that led to an assessment of protections in Newfoundland and Labrador. And eventually the recommendation was made that this Weir Act, Wilderness and Ecological Reserves Act, come about. So while people think that um, they haven't been consulted on the Northern Peninsula, their memories aren't going back that far because this um, protected areas sort of movement was born in the 70s on the Northern Peninsula and continues to today. And this is really just the start of what will be a continual consultation process. So there's been so much activity on the Northern Peninsula. Um, people just may not be aware of it. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, as a matter of fact, when I think of... Um, uh, Raleigh in the support that this is Northern Peninsula, you know, and I, I think of the support on the Northern Peninsula for uh, protected areas. I mean, some of it's been huge. And uh, Raleigh was a place that stands out because of Burnt Cape. Um, I was on a, a, a tour boat, you know, from people all over the, from all over the world. We stopped in at Raleigh um, because of the protected area at Burnt Point and took those people to Burnt Point. And, um, you know, it's incredible. So I think what um, Victoria just said is absolutely true. There are protected areas on the Northern Peninsula. Some of them 
Um, I, I mean, it's not Burnt Point, but some, I, and I can't pick it up right now, but it's one of our most recent ones on the northern, you know, the last time I think we got a protected area in the province designated was like 215. And these were uh, sites that were provisional and then they got uh, up, upgraded to protected areas uh, in 215. And uh, at least one of those was on the Northern Peninsula. So there's been great support. And, and the other thing, I think that to speak directly to your question, Glenn, um, I, yeah, I, it's really, um, you know, it, it, well, uh, two, two things. Yeah, we're not in there. This isn't a land grab from people. I mean, it's not. It, it can't be. And, and it's not that. So people have to understand that this isn't an attack on their rights or where they can go. It's it's not that. It's not a land grab. You know, we're trying to do something for the province. And the I have to tell you, when this works, and it works, the greatest stewards for these project for these protected areas are going to be the local people because they do see the advantage of it and because they buy into it and because it's theirs, you know, it is theirs. And once they embrace that, uh, we can change this whole conversation around completely. And, and that's our focus. And the, uh, the only other thing I want to say is I actually, Glenn, you asked this question, well, we don't even come close to the national standard. We're probably going to roll back from that. So Within that, I just feel an incredible urgency, and and I really feel, you know, why aren't we there? Why aren't we, you know, why aren't we, the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, why aren't we there? We have enough land, we have enough places to do this, we have people coming here from all over the world. It's just time to do it, and we just have to have the right conversation to move it forward. I'm sure we can, and I'm probably sure as well it's not going to be easy but it's definitely time and and we're past time so we have to have this conversation right. now victoria you said at the outset that you're a bit suspicious of the timing of the release of the reporting can can you see a bit more about that this is my opinion yes. um but i i was obviously frustrated when i resigned from the WIRAC. i was frustrated because I had been writing letters for quite some time. And maybe it's being a millennial, I don't know. I didn't have the patience to wait. I had been waiting five years. I hadn't seen the plan appreciably change in that five years that I'd been on the WIRAC. We had read, uh, written letters upon letters. Uh, the WIRAC uh, was seeming to lose a bit of steam. Um, we were no longer being convened. Um, so I began to be suspicious that if I continued to um, be on this committee without taking action that I would be complicit in inaction, which would be worse for me. So uh, when I resigned, I waited a little bit to see if that would have an effect. It didn't. Then I got on the horn and I started, um, you know, contacting you, contacting the telegram, telling people how I felt. And it did, it did have a response. I know it had a response because I know we were met immediately with the minister afterwards, something that hadn't been happening. And I was kept in the loop, you know, um, so I know it worked. And then we run into this COVID situation and we've got a massive racial issues going on worldwide. Lots of things for people to be concerned about right now in the world. And it's just people are, people are, uh, their minds are everywhere. I, I am glad that it came out. Um, but when it looked like it was only going to be three weeks, 
um, it was almost as if it was just enough time for there to be a negative reaction and not enough time for folks to really understand what this meant. So I was very concerned about only having three weeks of consultation. I was very concerned about the fact that it was happening during COVID when people are very, um, their stress levels are higher, there's lots to care about. So I was concerned about it, but those concerns have mostly been quelled by uh, changes to the online form where now people can submit things online. They don't need to print and scan. And a longer consultation period for this initial feedback, uh, which will allow us to really get the word out about what this actually means. So I, I thought that it might have been set up to fail uh, when I saw that, and I was really worried. But I, I'm not worried anymore. Hmm. I don't know if there is a perfect time to release such a report, but um, of course, um, we also have uh, the impact uh, of COVID on the Newfoundland economy has been, has been quite severe. People very feel very threatened economically. And um, of course, uh, wrongly, people see environmental protection as in some way opposed to economic development. So you have all those insecurities. We have an election coming up. Already the minister from the Northern Peninsula, Mr. Mitchell Moore, has uh, kind of, um, uh, shall we say, thrown the report under the bus. Um, so I guess, um, you know, they're not, as you say, they're not the best circumstances to release such a report. I just feel I'm, I'm very frustrated with that particular piece because um, uh, the minister has knowledge of the report and the process. He should have, because this has been something that cabinet is very aware of. It's been in all these ministerial mandate letters. He has access to the appropriate information, but I'm seeing the spread of fear and limits to what people traditionally do and it's stoking this this fire and uh, yeah I, I'm definitely disappointed with um, Mr. Mitchell Moore's um, uh, some of his uh, lack of response to addressing those concerns um, uh, and I, I, I don't think it is it is the province's report it's the we responsibility to advise the province but that distancing that the province has had from the report and uh, what the cabinet minister is doing is it's not fair because protected areas planning is hard and difficult and a difficult job. And it's, it's our government's job as well. Minister Mitchell Moore, you know, is, is actually flaming a reactionary response and, and in doing so he's put out a lot of misinformation, you know, and I mean, and for, I mean, for minister Mitchell Moore to say, this isn't your plan this is Weirak's plan. Well, he said, this isn't the government plan. Well, Mr. Mitchell Moore, if he really came clean about this, but this is a tough thing for Mr. Mitchell Moore to do. But if he did really come clean about it, he would realize there's no plan. There's no land use plan for our province that would help development, that would help mining, that would help hydroelectric. But there's no plan. There's just a crisis management situation where a developer comes in and could say, well, I, you know, a nice place for our next uh, wind site, which we presumably all want to have would be on Signal Hill because it's really windy and it's got a good, you know, it's got a good uh, trajectory from ocean winds. And, but 
that's not the way to do it. I mean, but that's the way it's done. Believe me, that's the way it's done. There is no plan and the government does not have a plan. So when Mr. When Mr. Mitchell Moore uh, says it's a WIRAC plan, it's not a government plan. WIRAC advises government. And I don't know if government has any other, you know, what would you say, advice about, you know, a land use plan? Well, well, they don't have one. And this, this is a way, it, you know, Glenn, you raised that issue. This, this is what, this doesn't prevent development. It, it just sets a certain agenda where, yeah, certain things we'd like to not, you know, have a mine in there. We'd like to not have a, a wind site in there either. Um, but it's, it's a way forward. And, and, and when we don't do that, um, we don't have a plan at all. And, and uh, so it's, it's totally disingenuous for Mr. Mitchell Moore to say, it, it's just totally insulting and totally wrong. And he gives out misinformation when he says, um, you know, you, you, you know, you don't, you didn't have any input or you don't have anything to say. I mean, all WIRAC has simply done is said, here's a proposal. This is what we'd like to do. What do you think? Uh, we're just asking for information. And um, so that's what we want to get. I mean, I think we want to get past, and I don't want to get hung up on it. I think we have to get past, you know, a reaction from Mr. Mitchell Moore that's completely negative and leaves no room for discussion. We, that's, that's not where we want to go, and it's not where we will go. So hopefully we'll have people who will come out in favor. I know it's, it's hard, especially on the Northern Peninsula, because the opinion is um, inflamed in that area, and it's hard to, sometimes hard to counter um, a large crowd of people if they have a, a message. It's hard for you to be the, the one voice with, a, with another point of view, but hopefully people who do care will come forward and express their support for the report um, as it is and preserve what there is and maybe, uh, as you say, enlarge it if they um, call on production of, of their own of areas in their own part of the province. So I guess this is our hope that people will step up now and not leave it to uh, to one group. It's extremely difficult. And, you know, we've seen that before and um, no doubt we'll see it. We're seeing some of it now and no doubt we're going to see it again. And often in these circumstances, it is extremely difficult for people who have a different opinion to, to voice that kind of opinion. But I, I'm hoping um, that we have enough time and that we don't degenerate into something like the differences of opinion that you see when we look to the US, for example, you're either this or you're that. And I don't think that's the objective here, or how we're gonna get through it. Um, there's not going to be, you know, just the good guys and the bad guys or the environmentalists and the developers. There's going to have to be something where it's people and the people are going to have to work this through. And um, I, I think we have to have that focus and, and not fall to the reaction, reactionary response. But I think because of the situation as it exists right now, I totally agree. And and it's going to be very difficult. It's very difficult to give uh, for people to give a, an alternative opinion. And we know there are alternative opinions. There's no question about that. But there's a huge social pressure to not, uh, you know, to not uh, not go against the grain. And and I, I mean, I experience. We all experience that. But um, 
I think we got to work it through, and I think mm. we will. Biologists Victoria Neville and Bill Montevecchi. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mega Mom Matters. Thanks to our supporters who contribute on patreon.com forward slash Matters or via email transfer at mi'kma.matters at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest in Mi'kma news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Namaltus. No